Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be joined here in just a, a few moments uh, after I do the uh, usual introductions. I'm going to be joined by two great ladies uh, in the golf business, uh, uh, Shirley Spork, who was one of the original uh, 13 founders of the LPGA, and, of course, my good friend, Jamie Leno-Zimron, who was uh, with us last week, and I'll tell you a little bit about her as well in just a moment. And then a little bit later on in the broadcast, uh, we're going to be joined by... Uh, uh, famed vi- videographer uh, Charlene Fisk, who was responsible for uh, uh, the editing and directing of the Founders film, which we're also going to be talking about, uh, which sort of talks about uh, some of the upcoming pioneers, Shirley being one of them, uh, of the early uh, days in the LPGA. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to remind everybody, of course, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 for those of you on the East Coast, and 4 to 6 for those of you out in Pacific time. Uh, but thank you for joining me live tonight. And uh, for those of you that maybe uh, aren't too sure where to tune in, you can go to blogtalkradio.com and uh, just type in Golf Talk Live in your search key, and that will take you to the main page. And uh, on our live broadcast, of course, it'll be right there front and center. But for some reason, if you can't join us uh, during the live broadcast, but you do want to hear the show, uh, again, you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live and just scroll down to the on-demand section and uh, you can listen to the recorded version a little bit later. Uh, Always would love to hear from you. If you want to call in during any of the live broadcasts, you're welcome to do so. The number to call is area code 646-716-4667 or you can email me questions uh, at any time during the broadcast or after to ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And of course, I update everything on social media, on Facebook, and of course, uh, on my Twitter handle, Ted and Buck CEO. So just go to my Facebook page or to the Golf Talk Live blog page on Facebook, and you'll see the updates for, for all of the shows uh, uh, up and coming and that. But uh, uh, glad you could join us tonight. And I'm very, very excited uh, about today's show as we welcome Shirley Spork, one of the, as I mentioned, one of the original 13 founders of the LPGA uh, in 1950, along with such uh, illustrious names as Babe Zaharias, uh, Patty Berg, uh, Louise Suggs, and Marilyn Smith. And today at nearly 90 years young, Shirley is just one of the three founders still with us, and she continues to inspire every golfer and person she meets. Uh, She graduated from Eastern Michigan University, where she won the first ever National Collegiate Championship back in 1947, and uh, today that would be the equivalent of the NCAA Championship. Uh, She's always uh, been a teacher at heart and a player with a keen eye for swing technique as well as uh, psychological understanding of her students. Considered the LPGA's uh, resident trick shot artist, uh, Shirley loved to entertain crowds and teach clinics at some of the earlier tour stops. Uh, also, she became the driving force behind the founding of the LPGA Teaching and Club Professionals Division in 1959 and has served as their chairperson for eight years. 
and continues even now to add to her many uh, awards and accolades. And as I also mentioned to you, uh, my good friend uh, Jamie Leno Zimron is joining us. Um, but uh, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about her before I bring both of them on. Uh, she's a Class A LBJ teach professional, and uh, she also was uh, here last week, and she brought uh, a great show together uh, on the IMAP My Golf, and uh, for bringing her mentor, of course, this week, Shirley Spork. Uh, we're very excited about that as well. Jamie has uh, been part of my Coach's Corner team for the last several years, and in addition to being a great uh, LBJ teaching professional, uh, she's also the founder of Kiai Golf Training, uh, integrating holistic teachings for golfers and teachers uh, and from her rich background as a competitive player. She's also a fifth-degree Aikido black belt, a psychologist, and, of course, a corporate speaker. And as I mentioned, uh, we're, we're going to be joined a little bit later on uh, by Charlene Fisk. Uh, as I mentioned, she's an award-winning videographer, and we'll talk a little bit more about her as, uh, as she comes on board. But uh, in the meantime, uh, after all of that, ladies, uh, welcome to Golf Talk Live. Well, thanks. I, I'm out here in the West Coast, and... I'm looking out my window at the snow-capped mountains here in our desert, and the sun is shining brightly, and and this is a snow bunny time of year, and we have lots of extra traffic, and it's kind of hectic. It takes you a little longer to get the golf course. <laughs> well, yeah. gosh, uh, way, way, back, way back when, in the beginning, uh, a group of us amateur lady golfers who were proficient in uh, recognized in our state associations, uh, we wanted to further our competitive uh, drive, and uh, there was nowhere to be seen of doing something like that. So uh, the great Babe Zaharias, who uh, was could do about anything, any time, uh, star in the Olympics and the first uh, 50 years of the uh, 1900s, uh, she was recognized as the athlete of, of that time. And uh, she wanted to compete herself, so she convinced Wilson Sporting Goods to uh, hire a uh, tournament director, and then she tried to gather up some players so we could go play. And then we had to find sponsors and all that. And uh, our first year... Gosh, we played a whole 11 tournaments, and it was wow. through the grace of sponsors such as a godmother, Helen Lingfield, on the West Coast and Alvin Hanmacher on the East Coast who put up the monies. They had charities that they could write it off on. So they put up money for us along with Rotary Cubs and Civitan Group. Uh, as we traveled by car across the country, and uh, we were just kind of like a little circus. Uh, we came to the town, and we went to the radio station, and we put little signs in their store windows at gas stations, and we went out to the local ballpark to promote our tournament to get people to come out to see us play. And we, we had a very small group. We only had 11 uh, professionals, so we had to gather in the local uh, low handicap women to fill in for us so we had enough people to have a spectators want to come out and watch us go around the whole golf course. And um, we didn't have much money to be playing, paying anyone to help us, so we did it ourselves. We uh, 
we we did the mark the course. We've made rulings on our own players. Uh, uh, on Sunday night, we went to a pay phone and called in the results to ATUP and Golf World, and that was about the only publicity we were getting. And of course, uh, in in the days of starting our tour in 1950, uh, anything we did or any pictures were ever taken were in black and white. So when you see right. pictures of the the past players, they're all in black and white. And now when uh, Charlene Fist started working on a documentary of the history of the LPGA, it was very hard for her to find uh, a film. And when she did find it, it was black and white. So the beginning of the Founders film is all in black and white. And near the end, when they interview the present players, it's in color. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, we, we we never we never dreamed that uh, this small group of us would see come to see the future of the fact that now instead of having the LPGA we have six tours we have the LPGA Japanese Chinese Korean L LGU, which is, means the European Ladies Golf Association, which is going to be run by the Royal and Ancients starting in 2018, and the Taiwanese tour. So there are six tours now. Imagine that. When we started, wow. why were we out there? Why did we want to just travel around? And what, We didn't think about the future, of, about going to other countries or anything like that. We just we were out there uh we were just elated to drive 40,000 miles a year and be able to see the USA and uh and meet people and stay in their homes. There weren't there weren't uh, even motels then. There were uh the holiday inns didn't start till 1951. So we tried to stay at homes of the player of uh, the courses we were at so that uh, on to save on expense money and get to know them and, and uh i can say that i've been in every state and i i have friends in every state so that that was a real plus for me because my life uh has ventured through uh 68 years of the tour not only as a player but wow. also as a teacher Shirley, 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 this is Jamie. Yeah, hi everybody. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the W P, uh, the W P G A. That you know we okay. have the L, the Ladies Professional. But uh, before 1950, yes. there was a tour that didn't work. That was the Women's Professional Golf Association. In in 1945, 46, and 47, Ellen Griffin. Betty Hicks, Hope Signius, and Patty Berg, and the Babe. No, excuse me, Babe wasn't a part of that. And um, they started a tour, and they played not too many tournaments because they didn't have any, any sponsors. But one of the ladies, Hope Signius, father owned a gin mill in Greensboro, North Carolina, and he put up the money, hmm. the prize money, for our tournaments. And the L, the WPGA held the first women's open, and this is prior to the USGA 
uh, having a USGA Women's Open. Uh, other than that, uh, today, as of last year, we have a hundred and a hundred and uh, I'm getting mixed up here. Uh, let me think back here. When we started to play. In the 50s, we have 11 events, and the total prize purse for the year, for the whole year, was $60,000. So we paid down everybody from 1 to 10, or 1 to 11, got a little teeny bit. So even at the end, if you're 10th, you get enough money for gas to get to the next tournament. <laughs> but uh, the WPGA, I was in, I was in high school when the WPGA was uh, functioning. I graduated high school in 1945, and I wanted to join that group, but uh, my parents had a different idea. They thought this little red-headed girl should go to college. So I went on to college, and in that era, women were not supposed to excel in individual sports. You were supposed to do team sports. So they poo-pooed my golf, and to go play in the National Collegiate, I had to pay my own way to go to the tournament, which was at Ohio State. And winning it, that was the only national championship Eastern Michigan won that year, men or women. So, And uh, they wouldn't recognize or give me any uh credit in the women's department so the men gave me a jacket not a letter but a jacket that with a said national intercollegiate champion but two years ago <laughs> i finally got my e and i told them it was for effort it took 67 years <laughs> to get it surely <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you yeah well, congratulations. I know it only it took 67 years, but uh, it was it was well deserved. Shirley, let me just ask you, um, uh, just to go back a little bit, um, not so much about the tour for a moment, but about you personally. Um, when did you first start playing uh, golf as a youngster, and uh, what specifically about the game intrigued you that you decided that you know, hey, this is this was for me and. And uh, and sort of propelled you into mm-hmm. to something for a lifetime. What specifically? Uh, well, when when did you start first off, and what specifically about the game intrigued you? Well, I was from Detroit, Michigan, and our family moved to the outer borders of the city in the northwest corner, and on the property line was a golf course. And uh, the golfers slice their ball into our yards, and I pick up the balls and sell them back to the players. And the kids in the neighborhood caddied and said, if you have some clubs, you can play with us on Mondays because caddies could play free on Mondays. I didn't caddy, but I could go with them and play. So I rode the streetcar down into Detroit to a sporting goods shop, and they didn't have any clubs for a dollar, so they told me to go to the S.S. Christie drug store, a uh, dime store, and there was a great big barrel of clubs, and they were tall, they were short, they were long, they, they were wood, they were iron, and they had numbers on them, and I picked out the one that had a number 10 on it, and it was short and straight, 
And I was so excited that I went home down through the neighborhood and told the cad, the boys, that I can go play with you. I got a club, and they all laughed at me because the put the the club I bought was a putter. <laughs> so I'd tee it up and hit it in the fairway, and I'd tee it up and hit it to the green, and then I puttered it in the hole. So that's really why working on my uh, book, I'm calling the book from green to tea because I started at the end and I'm trying to get to the beginning. But uh, just to let uh, the folks know that are tuning in. Yeah. Let me just, let me just point out to Shirley real quick. Uh, Shirley's referring to a book that she's going to be having coming out in the next uh, couple of months. Um, and uh, we'll keep you updated on that when, when it becomes available. And I, I believe you said off air that it was uh, going to be available through amazon.com. Uh, so uh, we'll keep you posted on that. But um, let me ask you something uh, as well. Shirley, were you um, self-taught? Did you sort of teach yourself how to play, or did you ever take any sort of formal lessons uh, early on? Well, the uh, the golf course being right next to our pop- oh. property, I would – and the, uh, there was a hole that went up the hill, and then the next hole came down the hill. So I'd go up the hill and down the hill and up the hill and down the hill. And then the ranger would come and chase me off because it was a daily fee course and I hadn't bought a ticket. So uh, the ranger kept <laughs> right. telling the pro there, there's a little red-headed kid over there hitting the, hitting the golf ball around there with one golf club. So he looked me up and he gave me some old clubs, uh, a three five seven nine, and the grips had leather cork leather cork leather cork the only problem was the cork was gone and it was just leather nothing leather nothing leather nothing so i held the club (laughs) rather strangely because i didn't want to hurt my hand so the detroit free press newspaper put on a clinic uh, by and the men professionals in the area came to this group less than three three uh, evenings in three weeks Three, three times, and they would walk by and say, you have a bad grip, and then that pro would come by, and he'd say, you have a bad grip, so the third one that came by, I said, I know I have a bad grip, now tell me how to do it different, <laughs> so finally, they, they, they showed me how to hold the club, and I finally got some clubs that had real grips on them, and I, to this day, I feel that the grip is the most important thing. Uh, the other two things that are important is you play with your eyes and your hands and your feet. And your eyes tell you where to go, and your hands direct the golf club, and you deliver the power with your core and your center, and and you finish the swing, and, the, and you can chase it. And uh, those are, I think, basic things in golf are so important, and it's important to start correctly. I never had the money to take golf lessons uh but I watched, I observed good players. Uh, when I was on tour, I was lucky to travel with Marilyn Smith, and she took a lesson from most every town we went to, the top pro. And I would sit and watch, and then I'd go try what he was telling her. It might help me. So uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the way to learn to play the game. And uh, playing... Uh, <laughs> As a, as a kid uh, in Michigan, there was no junior golf. They didn't have junior golf. When I started into uh, uh, high school, the uh, 
the uh, women's public links allowed me to play with them. And to play in your state championship anywhere in our country in that era, you could not play in the state unless you belonged to a private club. Well, they did invite the Pub Links champion. <laughs> so that's how I got to play in our state, and that's how I got to uh, become proficient and recognized and went traveled to Augusta Country Club to play in our title mm-hmm. holders, and that's where I got to meet Patty Berg and uh, all the other greats. And uh, I just kind of, like a tumbleweed, I just, Followed the, the the group and uh, and we began to uh, give golf clinics when people came to watch us. We had a swing parade. Everybody was assigned a club to hit, and that way we passed the hat and we had money to pay someone to announce us on the first tee. So <laughs> uh, we kind of all were self-made. Uh, right. Some, some of the sure, ladies. You are, that, you are. That, Shirley, with your with the clinics and all that you would do, uh, that was really kind of being your own um, your own media, right? Yeah, I can't. You, 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 you did your own publicity. You were like your own social media back in the day, doing clinics everywhere oh, yeah. you went when you get to town. Yes, we had to go to the. We had to promote ourselves, and then, of course, to to give us enough monies throughout the year, we we, rep, we represented sporting goods companies, Wilson, Spalding, McGregor, and Golfcraft. Those were the four major countries, com- companies, and they made golf clubs with our name on them. And uh, uh, you got a royalty of seven cents per club that they made. Woohoo! That was a lot of money. Yeah. So... Uh, and they paid our expenses to go give clinics at their key accounts. So that that was how we survived in between the 11 tournaments we had. Or each year as it grew, it became more more players, of course. And uh, they sold more clubs, and I made more seven cents. <laughs> right. So, Shirley, uh, um, let, me, let, me, yeah, let me ask you, Shirley, if I can, um, about – the teaching aspect of golf, um, in addition to obviously uh, all of the uh, original uh, founders and, and other guests that played in the tournaments, um, you were also involved in instrumentally creating and developing the teaching division of the LPGA. Um, how did that come about? What was the, the process there, and, and well, how did that? Uh... Okay, uh, after, after the we started in 1950, 1951, each uh, about. Three years into that, I'd say about 1954, uh, the money was with the top three, which was Suggs and and Zaharias and Berg. Those were the big three. And the the rest of us were just fiddling down, you know, just out there. We weren't making a living. And having teaching credentials I kept saying in our annual meetings, we need a teaching division. We should start a teaching division. And it was voted down two years. The third year it came in at 1959, by, we won by one vote. Now, the reason they voted against us, I found, finally found out, is they thought it would take 
people, girls away from joining the tour. <laughs> that was their thinking, and I'm thinking the opposite. I'm thinking we, as teachers, will build players and build the tour. Today we have 1,700 members, and they're in 25 countries. We are global as of three years ago. So it's astronomical to think that they have a total of 420 players, of which uh, 200 are on call, and you only play 144 at a tournament. So what we have 1,700 members to gather knowledge and teaching theories and uh, ways to create the, the right golf swing. So we are the leaders of promotion of stimulating people to want to play golf, I think. And also right. the latest uh, thing is Top Golf, and Top Golf is endorsed by the PGA and the LPGA. And Top Golf is an entry into thinking about the game, not going to play the game. You're you're there to experience swinging at a ball and whiffing it, <laughs> or <laughs> topping it, or but you're there to have fun at the same time. Uh, right. They are they are a stimulant to get people interested. Uh, my thought right. today is that we must give more attention to the senior golfer because. We have tons of junior programs, and our our facilities uh, here in the desert, of course, in any resort area, we have too many facilities and not enough people as members to uh, allow the the course to function. Um, so right. the senior is leaving the game, and it's up to the teachers to keep them in the game with more stimulant and also, the golf course, act because of the, of the uh, this fast cyber world we're in, people can't right. waste five hours on 18 holes. So the golf course architect is coming in and bringing the sixth hole back to the clubhouse. So you can play six holes, the 12 holes, or 18 holes. That way you can go do other things. And if you have a right. family on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday, your kids and the mother and the dad can go out and play six holes. You don't have to play 18. Right, exactly. And right. You can do something. Uh, surely, right, exactly. Shirley, let me ask you, while we were on the topic of, of teaching, do you have a specific teaching philosophy or approach uh, to teaching golfers uh, in your mind? What What is your sort of philosophy, if you will, of teaching uh, um, anybody, young or old, uh, how to play in well, today's game. The, the best philosophy, I, I believe, is that if they take my time and they take their money to learn the game and they don't practice, they've wasted their money and my time. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> That's true. I would say that anyone that takes a lesson, I would not give them another lesson until they practice twice either sitting, reading, or exercising, conditioning, or hitting balls. They're not going to get any better if they just go out on the golf course because they're going to use the bad habits they have. So 
as an instructor at a long view of it, you're you're undoing bad habits and replacing them with good habits. And uh, to hit a golf ball, you would like to have rhythm and timing and balance. Um, everybody's an individual, and everybody has a different idea of what they want out of golf. And it's your your duty to figure that one out, not just tell them what you know. What do they want to know? Uh, I've had right. one gentleman come and say, I just want to hit it hard and far. Okay. I had one that said, I would like to play nine holes in my own fairway. He hit the ball two fairways over. He was <laughs> 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 playing the other part of the golf course. Uh some players like um, Sally wants to beat Mary because Mary's a club champion. So some are competitive and some just like the clothes they wear. You know, everybody has different <laughs> ideas of why they're there. So that's what's fun in right. teaching because it's never boring. <laughs> right, exactly. What Let do me you ask think, the two Jamie? of you. Well, I wanted to, something that I think, Shirley, is, you know, in a sense it's sort of old school to talk about uh, you you got to practice. You know, but um, you're not coming you, in very clear. You're a little too uh, close to the mic. <laughs> oh, one second. Let me see if I can make that any better. Um, that's better. Uh, what, what I was yeah, saying, yeah, what I was saying, Shirley, is that um, it, you know, in a sense, it's sort of old school to hear talk about. Well, people need to practice. It doesn't just happen. Um, you know, the best teaching, the best lesson, the best teacher. You still need to to practice. And when I listen to you, I'm always so um, amazed. It feels like um, kind of listening to a, a master in the, the sort of uh, the, the Japanese or the uh, martial arts kind of um, master. Um, you just come out with so many uh, pearls of wisdom uh, that just make so much sense and that are so timeless. Uh, and they just kind of cut right right to it. <laughs> um, even when I'm on a golf course with you, it's like, wow, the, the things you say just go boom, just just zing right in. And so um, I just want you to know how much I appreciate your your mastery um, as, as a teacher and as a, as a person, but especially as a teacher. It's just amazing to me. Well, the well, thing me... about golf, in my observation, is that swing theory has changed every 10 years. And I'm into my seventh decade, so I have seen six different changes in the golf swing. And in the beginning, the pros that came over from England and Scotland, uh, they had been caddies, and they came to this country and became golf pros. And whomever was winning a tournament, that's what they taught. (laughs) Uh, Way back in the the 40s, 50s, it was whoever was winning and what kind of a putter they were using, and everybody just copied that. Well, right. everybody's an individual, and physically you can't always do that. You have to understand uh, kinesiology. You have to understand the, the structure of a muscle and how it moves. And uh, because of going to wonderful workshops through the LPGA, uh, we have guest uh, instructors that, give us information as to why something's happening. And you watch today, uh, right now, everybody wants to hit it far. And you look at the L.A. uh, Genesis Open here in Riviera, 
the gentleman who won, Johnson, hit the ball 380, 320, and in a pouring rain, he's hitting it this far, carrying the ball. So he's way ahead of everybody. Most of those pros have the men, and especially the women now, uh, they carry at least four wedges because most horsepower holes is nothing more than the drive in a wedge for Lexi Thompson. And uh, their swing is powerful, and it's not pretty, but it makes the ball go far. But they still have to get it up and down. So the short game has stayed pretty much the same. Would you agree with that, Jamie? Yeah, and, you know, that's what I appreciate so much about you is that there are, you know, you're so um, current and up with uh, the, as you say, um, say every five years, ten years, there's um, new swing theories. There's obviously a lot of new technology. But there are things that stay the same that are really so timeless, and one of them is obviously getting up and down. You've got to get it in the hole. And uh, so, you know, the emphasis on short game, your emphasis on really the – I think the principles and the things that are timeless in golf uh, is so important. Right. Let me ask, since we're, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead uh, with your thoughts, Shirley. In clubs, uh, the manufacture of clubs, in the beginning, we were, worked for a company, we were called the advisory staff. And they would design a club, and we were to go out and test it and then tell them what was good or bad about it. And that's why they had companies and had, like, Gary Player uh, clubs and and Wilson had Sam Snead clubs and Hogan had his clubs. And uh, now everything's done on a computer. You don't need an advisory staff. A computer uh, can design a golf club head and and put different kind of shafts in it and test it in their laboratory. They don't need individual uh, competitors doing it. So they come with all their equipment to the tournaments. Like here in our desert, the ANA Dinosaur Tournament, all the manufacturers bring their latest thing out for them to hit and tell them that they like the color or they like it, did it go farther or it go straighter. But the machines are making it uh, easier. Uh, there was a golf program where they had a contest recently, Wilson, to somebody to design a driver that they were going to vote on. And they finally, it was a big program that went on for a few weeks. And then they finally decided on one person, one group won the prize. And so they make that driver. So, um Equipment today is so different than when we played. I did not play with wooden shafts. <laughs> I, no. I started with steel, and and then then we went to working with graphite, and, and we had a glass shaft, a golf craft glass shaft, and it was fiber, Owens Corning glass fiberglass, and it came in a roll, and they adhered it with heat onto a steel rod, and it became lighter, so the club shaft became lighter. Then they've worked with titanium. They worked with aluminum, and the club today is almost like a bamboo pole. 
or a fishing rod. And all right. the flux and everything comes in there like this, and boom, it all goes forever. But if the people that are winning today had to play with the equipment we played with, they would not be scoring the ball that well. Right. It and we're going to pick up. It, right. would fit, it would fit the golf course. And, you know, right. you can't be making the golf course larger and larger and longer and longer. Uh, the Masters has just spent trillions of dollars buying up a shopping center to to come combine it into their new their holes to make the holes longer. Well you can you can't just keep trying to make the golf course longer. I think it the uh, best thing to do is make the ball go less for tournament players. To right. fit the golf let me course. just uh, because yeah, when let me you just go inter- out interject. to play Ted, Ted, when you go out to play you're par 72, but a PGA player, their par would be 68 because they could hit every four, five par in two, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Let me just interrupt for just a quick second, ladies. I want to bring in uh, into the conversation uh, Charlene Fisk. I see that she's ready here. So let me just do a very quick introduction, and then I'll bring Charlene into, uh, into, into the fold here. Um, as I mentioned earlier, folks, uh, Charlene Fisk is an award-winning videographer who served uh, both as director and editor of the Founders Film, which documents the early uh, pioneers and the years of the LPGA. She has won numerous uh, regional Emmys for her work and uh, on arts and documentary programming for uh, such notable uh, projects as PBS, uh, TLC, ESPN, uh, Lifetime, and the Discovery Channel. So please uh, welcome my very special guest uh, joining the conversation, Charlene Fisk. Hey, Chad, thank you. Hey, Shirley, how are you? Hi, Charlie. <laughs> hey, Jamie, you. how are you? Yeah. I'm great. Really glad you made it. I'm glad you made yeah, the film. Thanks for okay. Me. <laughs> so we're going to talk we're going to talk about in just a second um Charlene uh, about the film, but I want to finish off a thought that two of them were talking about and I want to add something a little bit different. What is your take now you've you've explained uh, Shirley about the equipment um, a lot of the changes, and I agree with you. I think that they need to do something. In fact, Jack Nicholas has said many times over the years um, that they needed to do something both with the ball, particularly with the ball, but also even with the equipment because it's just making a lot of golf courses, even Augusta National, almost obsolete in today's game. But I want to ask you something that, that Jamie kind of alluded to a little bit as well, and Jamie, I want your input on this as well. Um, the modern technology out there. I mean, there's all kinds of gadgets. You've got everything on social media that uh, is available to the average uh, amateur out there. Do you think that the, my question is this, do you think that the industry is doing itself a disservice by pushing a lot of this technology uh, and making it a a little bit, uh, um, I guess the word I'm looking for is, uh, difficult for the average golfer. They're making it too confusing for many of the high handicappers out there. What are your thoughts, Shirley? And then, Jamie, I want you to chime in on that as well. I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, first of all, the average player does not swing the same way from hole to hole. <laughs> so a piece of equipment, if it isn't uh, being directed correctly, it's not going to help them. Instead of spending some money on taking some lessons to get more consistent, they take their money and buy a very expensive golf club and think that the club's going to help them. 
Well, at first they have to have a golf swing <laughs> right. to use it. But the clubs today are easier to hit, much easier. And uh, they don't have to take as many lessons, uh, but they have to train and and get more proficient. And, you know, at a country club, when Mr. Smith comes and he just retired and he wants to get better. He wants to be a better player. And I say to him, let's say he's uh, 65 years old, and I say, well, don't you want to keep what you have? Uh, it's hard to and also they now have more days to play golf and then they play too much golf and then they hurt their back and then they can't play at all so golf is a game eluding in the fact that you have so many different winners if someone starts winning they just don't win, win 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 there's other people playing out there so you don't have it and you don't once get it and keep it. It has to. It evolves. It jumps away from you. Then it comes back. And by having encouragement from uh, your coach or your teacher, and say, I know a lady came to me, and my my member said, Well, why is she here? She she just won a tournament. Well, she did it because she wants to keep winning. And when Mickey Wright, who was a very wonderful player. When she would pre- be presented the winning prize, she would leave and go out on the driving range and hit balls before she left that place. Hmm. You would think, well, why is she out there hitting balls? She just won. Well, she wants to keep winning. <laughs> so right. uh, you, you hate to go. You have to, if you if you just won something, you don't want to go to bed and lose it. You might stay up twenty four hours. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. Jamie, let me, yeah, Jamie, let me ask you a little bit differently here, um, just uh, onto a point, and I agree 100% with you as well, uh, Shirley, um, with respect to, uh, you know, how people allocate their money. I think a lot of, especially for the guys, I think it's different for women. I think women are, are much smarter consumers when it comes to making purchases than the men are, but I think that what a lot of men do is particularly um, is that they'll, you know, take two, $300 or what have you, and they'll go out and buy the latest, greatest driver, thinking this is going to help their game, um, where that money, as you pointed out, sure, they could be better spent. So, Jamie, I want you to sort of chime in your thoughts as well. I mean, I'm sure you see this with, with even some of your corporate uh, people that you're working with. Um, you know, they'll show, show up with some shiny new equipment, but they still haven't worked all the kinks out of their golf swing. So what, where do we draw the line or, or find the balance, if you will, between – When's it time to upgrade the equipment, and and when's it time to sort of hold back and and let's work on on the key fundamentals first? Well, I well, think I, there's I, really. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, Jamie. Go ahead. Oh, well, um, yeah. Well, I think that you know we need to really kind of expand our idea of uh, why people, what motivates people to play golf, and also what constitutes success. We have such an idea that hitting the ball far or getting a low score is what it's all about. And there's so much more that golf is about. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a social aspect, there's a fitness aspect, there's a getting to know yourself, your self-knowledge aspect, just the experience of yourself around 18 holes of golf is, is really interesting. <laughs> you know? um, and um, the business aspect, so there's so many reasons to play golf, just to be outside and enjoy nature. And that those things are all a win when we keep this idea that I think most of us labor under, 
is that it's kind of how how far I hit the ball and and how low I can score is really is really the sort of the only real measure or real goal of golf. And in reality, it isn't. I mean, so many people are out there for all these other reasons and finding equipment that that allows them to play optimally, you know, to yeah, everybody wants to improve, but but that they're enjoying themselves and getting out of the game, um, you know, all these other benefits. And then to have equipment that, that matches. It's kind of like I love Jack Nicholas being a spokesperson for play the tees that match your game. <laughs> I think right. we have so much ego involved that it's hard. I, I, I remember my dad who he's now 97, uh, just about, but um, he played up until he was about 90 and he's still going back there to the, you know, the, the white and blue tees. And it's like, dad, you can play forward <laughs> tees. You know, you're 90 years old, um, but no, right. I mean, the ego's there and the male ego's there. And um, it's like, no, come on. So um, right. those are some of my thoughts. And I just wanted to say when Shirley was talking about some of the uh, older clubs, original clubs, I actually still have my original Wilson staff clubs when I was a junior golf champion. They're in my garage, and I look at them and I go, wow, I can't believe I shot in the 70s or 80s with those golf clubs. How did I ever do it? But we did, you know. Um, they, well, they call, great, some of the new equipment so wonderful, but um, – you know, at the same time, well, that, it, it is about the swing and the self and the mind and the emotions right. and all that good stuff. Right. And that's where skill comes in, you know, like, as Shirley pointed out as well. I mean, once you learn how to, to use the equipment properly, you can pretty much put just about anything in your hand uh, equipment-wise and be able to get good results. Uh, um, as I mentioned, I wanted to bring Charlene into the conversation. She's been very patiently waiting. So, um Jamie, I'm just going to read out something. This is from the Founders Film website, just a, a little intro, uh, a little bit about mm-hmm. what uh, Founders Film, and then um, Charlene, I'm going to get you to uh, maybe expand a little bit more. Um, the Founders, uh, as we were been talking about a little earlier, is an iconic uh, story of 13 women, as we mentioned in the beginning, uh, who in 1950 battled society, uh, prejudice, and preconception to create a lasting global sports le- uh, sporting legacy. Uh, they were not supposed to be athletes. They were not supposed to get paid to play. They were not uh, supposed to call the shots. And with a little humor, grit, and raw talent, these underdogs uh, not only changed the course of women's uh, sport, but created a timeless story of redemption and endurance. Uh, while their male, male counterparts uh, drew ag- adoring crowds and hence some purses for their athletic achievements, the founders used money uh, from their own pockets, uh, as Shirley had indicated uh, earlier as well, uh, to stage tournaments in small, far-flung towns that questioned whether female golfers uh, were even worth watching. Uh, together, they lodged, uh, logged excuse me, thousands of miles a week just for the opportunity to tee off on uh, courses they also had to groom. Uh, with the creation of the Ladies uh, Professional Golf Association, which is uh, LPJ for short, uh, the founders staked their claim on the green and forged a path uh, for future women athletes to be celebrated and taken seriously. Uh, long overdue, this film is about finally uh, recognizing these unseen efforts and identifying the founders as true icons of sport and equality. Um, I think I know the answer to this, uh, Charlene, but what was the inspiration for you uh, getting involved in this project? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, once I found out about the story and and talked to um, a couple of these founders, um, there were, I had no choice but to tell the story. But, um, you know, I, I – I was given the story by a friend of mine who was teaching me to play golf. And um, I, you know, I, 
I love sports. I've been playing sports my whole life, high school and college. And um, I've been out of it for a minute, but I was learning to play golf again. And he said to me, do you know about these women? Um, You know, and I'd never heard of them. And I thought, well, why have I heard heard about these women? Um, uh, I've always um, needed inspiration as a woman, as a female athlete. Um, And so uh, it didn't, it didn't take much for me to want to, to finally tell this story. I mean, we, we all need to hear about it. Do you think, do you think, um, Charlene, that, um, for the young professionals today and, and the young girls that are out there, um, that this is an important film that should become part of the regular <laughs> curriculum. And the reason, the reason why I asked that is, you know, as each generation sort of comes into fold, um, earlier generations kind of get forgotten a little bit. And I think that some of, even some of the younger uh, ladies on the LPJ tour may not know who some of these pioneers were and how they sort of got um, where they are today. So when you were putting this project together or, or getting involved in this project, what was your thought as to how you wanted to, to relay this information so that future generations could benefit from the knowledge? Well, listen, immediately after watching some of the footage, we, we dug up a ton, ton, ton of old footage, which wasn't easy. But immediately after seeing some of this footage, the athleticism and the skill that these women had playing on the clubs that they played on and on the greens and on the, on the fairways that they played on is incredible. Um, and just watching them play, I mean, I've, I learned so much. But also, I mean, this is the, these athletes were – I mean, they were and are um, at the top of the game. Um, and, it, you know, we just haven't seen them. We haven't gotten to see um, how they played um, and how well they played. And I think it's important for everyone to see that. I mean, they're so, they're, they created a lot of the techniques that, that players use now. Um, why? Because they spent all those hours doing that, you know. And they have the talent. And, um so it's important for players now to look back at that legacy, not only for their own game, but also for what, um, like what you should bring to the store, the sport, like what, um, how to treat other people um, as athletes and as um, other people on the green. It's, uh, there, I mean, there's so many different things you can take from it, but the athleticism is, is unparalleled. It's really, really incredible to see. I don't know if you've seen the film, but it's, I've seen little bits, but I haven't seen the whole thing, but uh, I definitely will make a point of seeing it all. Let me ask you just sort of a follow-up then. Uh, you know, obviously the, the film talks about um, the game itself, of course, but what was your thought process, I guess, when putting this together? Um, obviously you didn't want to just film uh, a bunch of women uh, hitting golf shots all day. You wanted to, and, and, and footage, you wanted to tell a story. So tell us a little bit of what, I mean, obviously you don't want to give everything away for those that haven't seen it, but um, tell us a little bit, walk us through a little bit of the story from, from beginning to, to end, uh, maybe just sort of highlight um, where the story begins and, and where it sort of finishes up. Well, the, so the, the story is, you know, 60 years in the making, and um, that means there's 60 years of history um, behind what these women have done and created and grown. And there's so many people that, um, have put their blood, sweat, and tears into making the LPJ what it is today. And it is um, really an iconic uh, organization for women in sports. And um, it was really hard to, to pare those, 50 year, those 60 years down. Um, so when 
we did the film, we decided to focus on the women um, that founded it who are still um, here with us, Shirley, uh, Marilyn, Marlene, and um, at the time, Louise Suggs. And we decided to kind of talk to them and find out who they were as people. So the film not only shows us who these amazing women are, um, but it gives us uh, a history of what it took for them to pull this organization together, to keep it going, um, and to create this long legacy of this organization. Uh, so there are, there, there's a lot of um, comedic and funny moments between these women. You can imagine <laughs> after 60 years of, of knowing each other and playing, and I mean, they played competitive, very competitively, but then they also, you know, like Shirley, you know, helped form the teaching division and, and um, somehow they, they got past their, their competition um, on the courses and uh, found ways to, to keep the game um, accessible for women uh, and create this legacy. Right. Well, I think it would be safe to say, too, that they're, they're friends in, in a lot of ways. They're not just competitors. I mean, obviously, there's a point that they had to put their game face on, if you will, when they get out in the golf course. But off the golf course, um, they were just like every other person out there. They were friendly and charming mm-hmm. and, and endearing and, and so forth. So um, what was, uh, when you look at the film and, you, and, and went through the process – what was some of the things that surprised you most that obviously there was obviously I'm sure a lot of information you didn't know um, and found out as you put it together, but what was some of the most interesting um, and, and maybe surprising things that you discovered as you were going through the process of putting this together? Well, absolutely. The one thing that surprised me and made it very hard for me was I thought I was going to speak to these women and they were going to understand how much they had sacrificed and had done to, to create this organization. Right none of them mm-hmm. um, took an ounce of credit. Um, I kept saying, like, what, what was so hard? What, was, you know, di- what were your biggest obstacles? And, and they all just looked at me and laughed. Um, I think so <laughs> one of the most surprising things to me was how humble they are about, about um, their achievements. Uh, consistently. Uh, would... um, go ahead, Jamie. This is no, that's Shirley, I think. Oh, yeah. Shirley. Go ahead, Shirley. I'm not sure. Oh, I think she actually hung up on us by mistake. I'll <laughs> wait for her to call well, back. I think, yeah, I think she was, I sounded like she was juggling with the phone. Oh, that might be her right there. Hang on a second. Okay. Can you hear Hi, me Shirley, now? Shirley, I'm sorry. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, we got cut off there. Um, go ahead. You were about to jump in. Uh, I want to compliment Charlie because she had a desire and she was determined and she was disciplined and she was dedicated. This film would have never been made if she didn't if if she didn't have these three four qualities. Uh they sacrificed a great deal and it's taken a long time to get it out on in the field because of course money is a big issue. They put up all, all their own money to make this film. It's all in the can. It's uh, ready for a director to pick up for the big screen, but we, we have to keep going to film festivals and hoping that a director will catch a hold of it and it'll go. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, Charlie, now that there's a possibility of 
maybe getting it out to the public or golf organizations around the country could rent it and show it to their uh, major uh, groups and maybe that way someone will help you vote it farther. Uh, It's a shame that it hasn't been able to be shown more and I just pray to God it does get going for for your sake and for the sake of history of women's golf. Uh, well, Never. you know, Shirley, let me let me interrupt you real quick and just say um, we had a lot of support um, from the LPGA, um, from individual players like Kari Webb and Stacey Lewis. People have definitely supported the film. Um, what Shirley's referring to is it still takes a lot to get a film um, out into the audiences, like so people can see it. Um, and right. we're in the process, hopefully, of negotiating what's called a distribution, which means that people will be able to buy DVDs and see it um, on, you know, Netflix or places like that and, and actually use it. But we ha- we're contacted every day about people um, from people who want to see the film, and uh, I think there's such a need for it. And Absolutely. We, I think the crew of people who created the film are a lot like the women uh, who are the founders, like Shirley. Mm. Um, you know, we believed in it and we want to continue to create a place for each other. Right. Um, and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of people to do that. You know, um, it's not one person. And I think Shirley, <clears throat> I say that saying Shirley was part of that as well. Shirley and I talked, all the time. She had to be tolerant. I actually want to ask Shirley what surprised her the most about making the film. Because I, I mean, there were times Shirley's like, why are you asking me that? Why is that? <laughs> and, and it's like, because we want to know every little piece um, about what, how they did it and, and how they play, honestly. Right. How about it, Shirley? Um, what surprised you the most uh, with the film? Well, it surprised me the most is they never gave up. <laughs> they kept knocking on the door, and they they made it happen. And uh, it's an absolute true story, and everything in it is uh, a, a remembrance of just what we did out there and how we did it and um, how we uh, got through it all and uh, – the ups and downs, uh, losing our drawing card when Babe uh, was our star and she became ill with cancer and died at a very young age of 42 and our tour went down and then we had to come up again. We'd go up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, down a hill and then came along Mickey Wright and then came along Kathy Whitworth and now we have the big global stars and uh, we're seen on television in uh, 17 <clears throat> countries. Uh, not too much in our country, but it's in 17 countries now they're seeing golf. And we're beginning to have players from India and mm-hmm. uh, places that you uh, wouldn't even think they'd have golf courses. Uh, in the Olympics, we uh, the women's in competing in the Olympics almost just think of all the people with some wonderful young players there that now they'll think about trying to come on one of the six tours. So it's a wide open 
thing there that's happening, and it's wonderful that golf is moving forward, especially in women's golf. Uh, we were out there early on the uh, Asian tour. Prior to the men, uh, we established uh, golfers from that company country. They came here and went to college, and they competed, and then they went back home. Then they came and joined our tour, and now they have their own tour. So uh, it's big. It's expanded, and the more people can see it, the more they can hear about it, the more it's going to go forward. And I'm just pleased and happy to have had part of it in in my blood. And uh, I give back as a teacher. I think I give back, and my praise comes from someone who comes in and say. Wow, that lesson really helped. I had my best score ever. That to me is winning as a teacher. Right. And I well think, said. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, Charlene, I hope to see you down the road real soon. And Jamie, come and play in my Pro Am, Shirley Sportsmasters Pro Am, which <laughs> is going to be on April 3rd here in our I was actually just, just going to. <laughs> I was just going to get to that, Shirley. Let me ask you a question, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll give it a good plug for you. But let me just ask you a question on, on what you were just talking about, Shirley, uh, about uh, sort of expanding into a lot of the Asian market and that. Um, I've noticed here in, in probably the last decade, particularly on the LPGA, um, that there has been almost a boom of Asian players coming on the tour. Why do you think there's more um, – it's been more prevalent in uh, with, with a, a bigger – um, not just Asian, but also uh, Latin American uh, countries as well that have really blossomed out on the LPGA Tour. Why don't you see as much of that on the men's tour as you do in the women's tour? Well, I, I, I can't really answer that question. I don't know how many uh, foreign players play on the men's PGA. It, it, they had fights with the tour, the men's tour, way back about 20 years when some of the players didn't want to uh, allow, or they had to play in so many tournaments. They right. Could just, they couldn't just come over here and play a couple of times and then run back home. They they made a rule right. that they had yeah, to they... stay and play in all the tournaments. And, and in, the, in the beginning, we had C. Ray Pack. It was a star from, I guess, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I think it was Korea. I might be wrong. But C. Ray was a, a star. When she went home, everybody found out that they had the chance to have a woman athlete. And then they started training their athletes, and they sent them over here. And they went to Ledbetter School and uh, other schools. Kathy Whitworth had a school where they were teaching. And and, uh, Yanni Yanni Sin, she came over here uh, near us in here in the desert and trained and went on the uh, at that time, I don't know, one of our many tours. And then from there she blossomed out and boom, 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 she did great. So we are the the, uh, the roots of everything that's happened. And these well roots got fertilized and they're growing and they're, re- and they're doubling out and getting profuse like I look at my yard and the bushes are growing and the more water <laughs> and the more attention you give them they grow right and they get bigger and then yeah, you, the... so and then you have to cut them back so when you cut them back you make new new bushes 
And the same right. thing in golf. Uh, we They were here, and now they're spread out, and they got their own little place to go. They don't have to be part of us. And we've got some new stars coming up, uh, hopefully in the next year or two, and, and we look forward to and, and and congratulate our players that are thinking now of retiring, getting married, and having a family. And so we have to work very hard on trying to get some of our American players up there in the top one, two, three positions. We're lucky to have uh, uh, Lexi, who is a long, long hitter, and I think that she's going to really show them this year on the tour. I, I couldn't agree more. You, I thank you very much for this interview, but I have to go to a meeting at Amy Alcott's birthday. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh, wish her wish her happy birthday. Let me just say very quickly before you go, um, uh, just want to remind everybody that the uh, Shirley Spork Second Annual Pro Am is going to be Monday, uh, April the third, in Palm Springs. And this is, of course, to help raise money for your scholarship fund. Where in Palm Springs is the event? Is it? It's, it's in Palm Desert at Palm Valley Country Club. And uh, if they're interested at all, they, all they have to do is email Shirley Spork two zero one seven proam at gmail dot com. Perfect. Well, thank it's you very much for gmail.com. And thank you very much for your time. And thank you, Jamie and Charlene. And hopefully we meet down the road real soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Shirley. You. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ted, too. All right. Bye, Ladies, uh, uh, Ted, yeah, Ted yeah, can let, I just say something just, just before we sure. close? Um just to circle back a little and show his metaphor of uh, kind of the garden growing in the seas. To me, it's amazing that Shirley and that we can still know Shirley, Marilyn Smith, um, that they, they really are the shoulders we stand on. They're the ones who planted the seeds. They're the the ones who pioneered the way so that, you know, people like uh, me and many others can, and, and all the tour players, the teachers, the golfers, all the, there's now we have thousands of girls in LPGA, USGA girls golf programs, and uh, I think women are one of the fastest growing parts of the game now. And to think that that all started with these women that uh, mm-hmm. Tyler, you have so beautifully mm-hmm. documented, and it's so important mm-hmm. that people see the film. And uh, I mean, I cry at the end every time I see it. It's so profound, <laughs> and I think it's so important I, that we know our our history, our history. I think, you know, I think sure, uh, what you're saying and what I just want to say real quick is, like, if you don't know where you, you came from, you don't know where you're going. And I think that's what the LPGA does well. But at the same time, this is universal for all of us. And this is a piece of history that it, when you see it, you're, you're surprised and amazed and excited. But it also gives you um, hope and it also gives you, like, somewhere to go to, somewhere to strive for. It has that, you know, and I think – you know, like any good story in any good success story, um, there's lessons in it, you know? And it's universal. Right, exactly. You don't really have to be a golfer to enjoy the film. If you're a golfer, you'll love it. But if you're not, oh you my know, gosh, it's, yeah. 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 It's just, it's just a, a great, uh, story. A true, as, as Shirley said, it's a true story and uh, it, any sport or any endeavor it is just so inspirational. And, uh, 
to think, um, I mean, what what anybody is doing today, what are what are they setting off for for those to come and, uh, you know, the next mm-hmm. generation? Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, I think ladies, too, what it also, the, the story speaks to is it, it, it talks about really a group of ladies who didn't let uh, adversities or, or uh, obstacles prevent them from doing something that they wanted to do. And they rose to the challenge and had to do a lot of hard work and a lot of running around and, and so forth. It wasn't all just about, you know, having great golf swings or playing great golf. It was about actually, um, if you look at it from a, a realistic standpoint, of almost building a brand um, without even realizing they were mm-hmm. building a brand. And mm-hmm. that legacy has been fast-forwarded. So I, I agree. I think the, the film is very important uh, on so many levels, not just – even if you don't play golf, uh, the lessons that you can draw from this are, are insurmountable. Um, which brings me to the mm-hmm. point, Charlene, you know, where can the – Sorry, go ahead. So just what, one last comment um, is that, you know, we, I think we really need to think about the context because we're talking like the 19, late 1940s and 1950s and 1960s. I mean, here we are in 2017 and we are far <laughs> from achieving full gender equality or racial equality or, you know, um, all these things. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, just for women to even get equal opportunity or equal pay for equal work these are still big issues and to think of what Shirley and the original founders did when they um, as young women said I'm going to play golf and we're going to do this together that was defying mm-hmm. social odds and it was without uh, without support social societal support so it's mm-hmm. amazing to to really think of that context and I think that the the footage and some of the black and white footage and the original dress and clothing and all these mm-hmm. things really bring that bring that right right to us uh, to to appreciate uh the woman we were just speaking with, Shirley Swark and, and all of the original founders. Sure. And imagine you know, it's playing in a knee a knee length wool skirt. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly, and you know what's interesting is is even at at her her you know age now, it's amazing how how in tune with today's game she is. Um, you know, it's not just about remembering what happened you know forty, fifty, sixty years ago, but even in today's market, um, she's very up to date and in tune with what's happening in the golf world today, which is very amazing uh, and surprising as well. Um, Charlene, I want to give you an opportunity to let the folks know. Obviously, we've talked about the film, and I know you're trying to get um, you know it, it to a much broader audience. But for those that maybe haven't seen the film and would like to. Um, is there an opportunity that they can go and see the film or, or how do they go about doing that to learn more about it? So we, well, so right now we're working on um, getting it into distribution, but in the meantime, we're doing um, festivals. Uh, there's a ton of support around um, film festivals. And also um, we're hopefully going to be offering an opportunity for, if you want to screen it at a local theater, um, you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to apply to, to bring it to a theater close to you. Um, and it really, for, for people to find out about it, if they go to the www.thefoundersfilm.com, um, they can sign up mm-hmm. and we'll give them updates about, about what's happening with it. And, and also, there's an email link on there. Please use it. You can contact us directly. Say, hey, I really want to see this film, or um, ask questions. Or, but you can see the trailer on the website um, and, and get a hold of us that way. Oh, I'm not. Hello, can you I'm hear me? I'm not sure if I. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I could now. You. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cut out for a second. But great. Sorry. Go ahead. 
um, might have I'm, to repeat I'm some of sure, that, not all of it. But I'm not sure where it dropped off. <laughs> you were just talking um, about the trailer. You you left off and then you it got cut off for the trailer. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, sorry about that. Ed, um, I was saying, um, for information, you can go to the thefoundersfilm.com, um, and I said there's the trailer there. There's information about the players and about the film, um, but also feel free to contact us um, through that website, and we're happy to uh, answer questions and 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 just engage around the topic because it's you know it's, it's always good to talk about them, you know. It's it's a great uh, you know it's a great film and I'm going to visit the website uh, when we're done here just to, to dig in a little bit more. But um, again, for for those that uh, want to learn more about the film and and get a, a an understanding of of what's in it, uh, they can go to thefoundersfilm.com as uh, Charlene had indicated, and uh, not only see a little snippet through the trailer, but you can also, as you indicated, reach out through the website as well if you want to learn more uh, about the show, but also. Um, about maybe bringing it to your area, uh, to your local theater. I think it's a great idea, and what a great way to celebrate. Um, is there in, I guess a, a lot is going to be dependent on, on the, obviously, the success for this, but is there um, maybe a, a part two, if you will, uh, an updated version, if you will, with what's going on in the tour? Is that something that you guys have considered as well, or or what? Well, um, we have a couple projects in the works that we're we're trying to talk about, um, but we can't. I can't mention them yet. But uh, okay, all right. <laughs> we we will see. We will see. I mean, I hope so, Ted. I hope so. So well, and, well, and Ted, another not on a film note, but uh, the commissioner of the LPJ, Mike Wan, has mm-hmm. done so many cool, great, innovative things in his tenure over the last seven, eight years. And one of the things that he did was to create the Founders Cup Golf Tournament, which is coming up in mid-March in Phoenix. And Shirley and Marilyn Smith are there each year, um, so they'll be there again this year. Um, And there's always another honoree. uh, And the players, the current players, get the through thread that Charlene has really pulled through so beautifully in the film, which is you know, we, we're out here, we're, we're, we're so fortunate to be because of these founding women and the, the courage, the bravery, the efforts, everything that they did to create the LPGA. And it's, it's really kind of cool at the 18th hole, uh, at the end of the day each day, and certainly the 72nd hole, um, to see the young players come off the golf course and shake hands and kind of bow and hug the founders. It's just really just mm. so moving, and it, it's just so great to be able to honor them and while while they're still here. Exactly. No, I think it's fantastic and and uh, uh, great job, Charlene, in in putting that together. And I I know it's going to be a success. And I think it's something that's been certainly long overdue, as as Shirley had indicated. It was something that uh, you know took many years to to put together, but um, it, it's certainly well worth it. Well, ladies, I want to thank you very much for coming on and sharing that um, with me tonight uh, and with my uh, audience. And uh, Jamie, as always, thank you for for uh, helping put this together. And uh, please uh, please keep me updated. And uh, Charlene, if there's anything that I can do to help promote the film, uh, please don't hesitate sure. uh, to reach out to me. Okay. Great, thank you. I appreciate that. And Jamie, thank you for um, inviting me to the show. Well, absolutely, it's really my honor. And uh, Ted, you're the you're the best. Uh, thanks so much for yeah. uh, making well, this, you know, was, making, this was actually making space to get this, to get some of these things out there to to the golf world and the the general public. You're you're doing a great service, and I appreciate it so much. 
well, this was actually one of the easiest shows I had to do because uh, Shirley was just a master <laughs> at, at uh, you know, walking through. I, I, I didn't even have to ask her the questions. That was perfect. Uh, I, if I could do a show like this every week, it would be great. Um, and, and also, you know, sitting aside, but let me know um, as, the, as her book gets closer, uh, as we talked about early uh, on the show, um, let me know when that happens, and I will get her on uh, my morning show as well to talk about her book coming up in a few months, okay? Can I add a little? Um, did anyone um, talk about playing with Shirley? Jamie, did you talk about playing with Shirley? Uh, I didn't. I talked a little bit about what it's like to just be on a golf course with her and the kinds of perceptive, simple, but just zinger <laughs> comments she'll make. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> I well, I didn't hear that. Thank well, go you. Ahead. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. We've got a few minutes, so go ahead. Well, what I was going to say was, so we, it took us um, like four and a half years to make the film. And in that time, I was on a golf course with Shirley constantly, but we never played. And this past fall, I brought her to a screening and um, we got to play for the first time. And she made me go and hit balls first. And let me just tell you, in the time that I hit balls with her, my golf game, my golf game improved so significantly. Like she, <laughs> the amount of information that she has, and just she would, she would literally say, "Turn this, do you know, step back, put your leg here." I, I mean, it's incredible. But let me tell you, getting out on the course with her, let's remember that she is, she's almost ninety. We went and played right. nine holes. And we played with an, another pair, and Shirley, every single shot, she, I mean, she she parred every she parred I think every hole. She her shots wow. are so you know almost ninety. I, I mean, at one point, well, it, this don't forget is actually had, a hard course. It, well, and she's had I believe uh, both <laughs> knees and both hips replaced along the way because she wasn't yeah. stop playing golf, and her swing is so smooth. The tempo and the wow. balance to her swing is a thing of beauty, and her putting is immaculate. <laughs> um, it's it's incredible. When she, she, she still plays in the Pro-Am, and she played with the commissioner and one of the uh, touring pros, uh, of course, each year. And uh, this was uh, maybe two years ago at the Founders' Cup. I you know, followed and made a little video. It was extraordinary. She made, like, all their birdie putts. Uh, she put the ball on a par three closest to the pin. <laughs> it was just amazing. Yeah. And there were NFL players with her. <laughs> She's just still like kind of kicking everybody's butt and having a great time. She is. And she actually said to me, Jamie, we were out. It well, was really, it was, it was tough for me. Tons of sand. And Shirley looked at me after I'd hit it in the sand probably six times and said, I was like sweating bullets because I'm playing with Shirley's work. <laughs> You know, I'm just sweating out there, and she says, "All right, Charlie." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong now? Is this is this a good shot? Am I about to am I gonna hit this?" And she said, "So, pick up the ball." I was like, "Okay, that's it's time to move forward." Like, yeah, all right, Charlie, pick up the ball. Because you know, when she's playing that much better than you, I was like, "Yeah, it's time for me to pick up the ball." Yeah. Well, she's no nonsense, that's for sure, and it's so refreshing. Yeah, it's, it's well, funny. it's fantastic. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, very, uh, very interesting woman, and and um, I'm glad that you guys had the opportunity. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to uh, to listen to her this evening. It's been a, a fun show. And very quickly, Jamie, because I know you have more of the information, I want to just uh, again um, just remind everybody about her upcoming tournament on uh, Monday, April 3rd, the Shirley uh, Spork Second Annual Pro Am, uh, Monday, April 3rd in Palm Springs. 
uh, again, raising money. And I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, I believe the email, if you want to reach out, is shirleyspork2017proam at gmail.com. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I so, can it, certainly reach out to you or to me if, if somehow that I forget that or that doesn't work. Um, and it's a wonderful collection of LPGA teaching pros uh, and a really beautiful golf course, a very fun day. And Shirley is so excited to uh, be supporting young players and at her old alma mater, which is really great. Um, Marilyn Smith also has a tournament every fall in October in Phoenix, and maybe we'll be able to get her on the show too as well um, and you know, hear from another one of the founders. So um, they're both just they're both just um, such incredible um, leaders, examples, and assets to to all of us. Um, I think they yeah. will be so you know forever. And so we're just so lucky every opportunity to speak with them, be with them, play golf, support everything they're doing, and to be supported by them is just a, a great mm-hmm. blessing in life, really, in our lives. Yes. Well, perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you again, ladies, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. Um, again, good luck with the, with the Founders film, Charlene and Jamie. Again, as always, thank you very much for all of your hard work on the program, and I look forward to you uh, coming back many times on the Coach's Corner panel discussions this year and, and uh, also as a guest. But uh, thank you, ladies, and, and uh, please extend my uh, special thanks, uh, Jamie, to, uh, to Shirley for coming on and spending um, some time with me this evening on the show. Well, absolutely. And just thank you once again, Ted. And thanks, Charlie. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ted, and thanks, Jamie. All right. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, ladies. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was my uh, my very special guest. We finished out uh, with Jamie Leno-Zimron and Charlene Fisk. And, of course, a little earlier on, uh, we were joined by uh, LPJ founder Shirley Spork. Uh, very interesting, as I said, uh, lots of great uh, information and and uh, as I mentioned, Shirley was one of the original 13 founders of the LBJ uh, back in 1950, and uh, now she's still giving back to the game. She helped start the game for the uh, uh, Women's Professional Golf uh, Association and uh, was able to, uh, with, with many of her other uh, supporting founders as well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, been able to help uh, foster the LPG uh, to what it is today. So um, thanks to her and thanks to the other founders as well. Thank you to Charlene Fisk for uh, uh, for doing all of the, the legwork and putting this uh, film together. I know it's going to be uh, very successful. And, and as she mentioned, uh, if you want to learn more about it or find out how you can get it to uh, come to your area and play, they're trying to get distribution uh, set as we speak. But in the meantime, if you want to come to a local theater, uh, I think, again, even if you're not a, a hardcore golfer, I think there's some great life lessons in this film as well. So go to the foundersfilm.com. That's www.thefoundersfilm.com. Uh, to learn more about that. And as she said, you can reach out through the website as well uh, if you want to have somebody uh, get in touch with you um, uh, to provide you more details. And, of course, my good friend, um, LPJ teacher professional, uh, Jamie Leno-Zimron. Uh, thank you again for, for helping um, last week with uh, IMAP and then also uh, this week um, with Shirley. Thank you very much for all of your hard work. And I want to take this opportunity as I... I wind down the last moment or two, excuse me, <clears throat> to thank all of the listeners worldwide for faithfully tuning in uh, to the program each and every week. Uh, I, I do enjoy uh, putting this show together 
and having a number of highly talented coaches and teachers and, and authors and entrepreneurs stop by. And it's really, as I've said so many times, it's really through their participation and guest appearances that help make uh, Golf Talk Live a first-class show. Uh, a special thanks to some of the supporters and sponsors uh, of the program, Mr. Jonathan Laird, who I've mentioned many times uh, from South Coast Golf Guide. He is the editor and owner of uh, the guide, a great uh, publication here in the southeastern part of the United States, from Texas right over here to Florida, uh, featuring many of the great uh, golf uh, courses along the way. Uh, you can find that. Go to southcoastgolfguide.com. And if you're interested in advertising, uh, you can reach out through the website to Jonathan. Uh, if you're interested in advertising in the publication as well, it uh, uh, has quite a uh, quite a following, and you can get it actually in many of the golf locations uh, in the area, uh, whether it be Edwin Watts uh, as well as many of the uh, uh, condos uh, here. I know in Panama City Beach, many of the the, the larger condos carry it in their uh, uh, in their um, uh, lobbies and so forth. But uh, you can get it. Uh, virtually anywhere here in the southeast. And if you're somebody that's not in the southeast but uh, maybe planning a trip, uh, you can go to southcoastgolfguide.com and reach out to Jonathan uh, and his group, and uh, they will make sure that they get a copy sent to you. He will actually send you a copy uh, or let you know where you can pick one up when you come down. So uh, make sure you go to southcoastgolfguide.com, and uh, you'll enjoy uh, learning some about some great tracks in the area. And you can actually... Um, I give you all the information there if you want to book a tea time at some of the places as well while you're down here. Um, also to Meredith Kirk from Meredith Kirk Golf. Um, what a great young lady, an LPGA teacher professional as well out in the Myrtle Beach area. She was also the 2014 Mrs. South Carolina uh, winner and went on to uh, compete in the Mrs. USA uh, pageant. Didn't win, but uh, finished very well. Uh, my good friends as well, Tiff, uh, Nikki and Tiffany, his wife Tiffany Litherlin, uh, for all of their help for spreading the word as well. Uh, Mr. Bernie Pinder from OnTicGolf.com, and uh, of course uh, Sean Kelly, owner of LinkedGolfers.com, and uh, my good friend Mr. Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions over in Ireland. Thank you, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for all of your continued support. Um, I'll we'll be back next week. In fact, March 2nd will be the first show, as I mentioned last week. In the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll of course bring you back Coach's Corner and uh, have uh, some panel discussion. And uh, i got a great show for the first uh, Coach's Corner. That'll be the first hour of my two-hour broadcast. And then I will have a great guest uh, on the second hour uh, that I will interview as well. But uh, you want to make sure you stay tuned. And if you're interested, in, as I said, coming on the show, if you're uh, in the golf business, maybe you've written a book uh, that's golf-related or, or uh, maybe you're a teach professional or somebody in uh, the golf business and you're interested in maybe coming on the show, you can reach out to me at ted.golftalklive.com at gmail.com that's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com and you can also get updates as i said earlier uh, on facebook.com go to the uh, type in golf talk live blog and that will take you to my page there uh, or you can find my personal page as well i, I post uh, everything on there uh, or you can follow me on twitter at ted and buck ceo that's ceo in capital letters is my uh, twitter handle i always update there as well um but if not uh Feel free to, to join us each and every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Um, golf Talk Live is very easy to find. Go to blogtalkradio.com and type in Golf Talk Live. And don't forget to join me every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, with my good friend, LPJ professional uh, Cindy Miller, as we uh, host together the Women of Golf uh, show on the blogtalkradio.com. So, again, uh, go to blogtalkradio.com. And you can either type in Women of Golf or you can type in Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to both shows. So Tuesday mornings, uh, Cindy and I 
go head to head, if you will, on the Women of Golf show at, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com or Thursday nights. I go alone for uh, two hours on Golf Talk Live. So um, if you weren't able to join in uh, tonight's live broadcast or any of the live broadcasts, uh, go to the links I mentioned, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or forward slash women of golf and scroll down to the on-demand sections, and you can listen to the recorded version when it's convenient for you. And that's it for tonight. Uh, thank you for joining me again on, on the program. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed listening to one of the legends of the game uh, and one of the founders of the LPJ, Shirley Spork, and uh, Charlene Fisk, of course, the videographer, editor, and director of the Founders Film, and, of course, my good friend, Class A teaching professional, Jamie Leno-Zimron. Thanks uh, again, ladies, for for joining me here on the program tonight. And I will see you guys next week, next Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody, and have a great weekend.